Hey folks, this is Anatoly, and you're listening to the Solana Podcast. And today I have Paolo with me, who's the CTO of Bitfinex and Tether. Kind of one of the most amazing guests I could have on the show, because I think he's been around in crypto since before I... I think when I heard of crypto, it was partly through the work that you guys have been doing at, at Bitfinex and Tether as well. Um, so really amazing to have you. Thank you very much, Anatoly, for, for having me today. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. And yes, I mean, my, well, my, my journey is starting in 2013 uh, in crypto. So I, I'm not sure when you started. I heard of, I mean, like I was, I heard of Bitcoin, I actually tried doing some CPU mining back in those early days. And, and me as a, like a Qualcomm firmware engineer, I was like, I could make this faster running GPUs <laughs> and stuff like that. But the space accelerated so quickly that like by the time I started thinking about it. There already there was already like an FPGA and an ASIC on on the market. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for for guys like us, I mean, from you know, from 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 guys uh, running operations from home, mining have, has become really quickly uh, unprofitable. Um, I would say in 2013 was not really profitable an, uh, anymore, at least from me, from my resources from home. Yeah, yeah, but. Um... The interesting thing, I think, at that time, like the, there was no way to get Bitcoin otherwise. So even if it was unprofitable, you were probably getting a better deal than trying to buy it somewhere on the internet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, uh, I think that uh, well, Bitfinex started late December two thousand twelve, and uh, but you know, it's not the Bitfinex that is today. So it was uh, you know a really simple platform. And um, uh, sending fiat wires to uh, an exchange was completely a different experience than it, what it is today. So I hear you. So yeah, of course, I, I mined really fractions of, of, of Bitcoin. Um, I, um, I really started to get into it when, um, when um, sorry, um, I started, uh, so I started mining bitcoins, um, and then uh, when it became unprofitable, uh, I really stopped it. I started uh, following more and more the the technical side of it and trying to think how I could apply Bitcoin to um, to, to my day to day life. I I come from a, a security um, and uh, distributed computing um, background. Um, I studied in the university in Genoa. That was one of the best places I could be because we had few professors that were amazing in both these fields, both in security, cryptography, and uh, and uh, distributed computing. Um, so uh, my first job was in um, was actually uh, designing a military uh, network, uh, so a transmission network you know, for battlefields and things like that, where you had all these machines moving across the battlefield with uh, small antennas and you had to find the fastest path between the different points to deliver the signal in the, in the best way, right? So things like that. That's um, a fun, that's a really fun problem. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Well, you don't want to think about the actual um, real-life application of that um, because the implication is that there is a war. But at the same time, the the problem was really was really fun, and we got to to play with this uh, with really um, expensive hardware. So you know, I was in my 
20 to early 20 it was 20 years old and you got this to play with you know um uh, switches that were running Linux and they were super expensive. So it was, was really fun. And then, um, you know, after that, I decided that, uh, well, the, we, we finished the job and, um, uh, decided to, to jump into finance because, of course, type, uh, this type of, uh, the, the job that I was doing as a researcher for the university was not paying. Uh, really high salaries, so I decided. Well, let, let's try something different, and then move into finance, um, traditional finance. Uh, so I started working to build some portfolio management tools for for hedge funds first in Switzerland, then in London. Built my startup in London around 2012, 2013, and that I started also playing with with Bitcoin. And in my day to day life, I had to 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 really deal with uh, uh, banks that had outdated technology like you have to download uh at the end of the day a trade file that was still like a fixed carter land um trade file right <laughs> i mean a, a json or was was already a thing but you still i mean th th it was so terrible and always issues and uh, formatting issues and so on and, and then i was reading about uh bitcoin and said well oh my god this is the solution right it's a ledger that is distributed is validated and, and that's it so everyone will use it right as we start to think about it and um and then uh, the more i was spending my time in my uh, former company uh the more i was seeing the limitations and the fact that I, I, that was not the word for me that something better was coming and then in 2000 uh, end of 2014 beginning of 2015 i started working uh, part-time uh, at Bitfinex just on the matching engine because Bitfinex at that time had some scalability issues for, for the matching engine. Um, you know, it was doing like 50 orders per second. That is, that is kind of crazy. Um, and now it, it is doing um, uh, 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 tens of thousand um, trades per second. So we're talking about... Uh, you know, uh, hundreds of thousands of orders per second per, per yep. pair. So, um, so it, of course, it, it took years uh, to reach that level um, of, of performance also because, you know, sometimes you have your machine engine can actually handle uh, that type of, uh, of performance, but actually it's easy when you test it on a, you know, uh, you, you just run the binary tree and you float it with orders, but then, okay, fine. Let's say that your your users are sending 1 million orders per second, and then they want to query their order history. Yeah. So where are you storing that? So how are <laughs> yeah, you going yeah. to handle that, right? So that is the, the main issue where um, I, where I stepped in and uh, I helped Bitfinex to, to grow uh, as a, you know, an infrastructure platform and so on. Yeah, the, um, <laughs> this is like one of the fundamental challenges in computer science is like you can optimize for writes but then how the hell do you read this data? <laughs> right? yes. like, or you can optimize for reads but then you can't write anything it's like an, an impossible problem um we're this is basically like our our like day-to-day -day problems are not consensus problems it's it's literally that like we have a you know big pile of transactions coming through and we've optimized it for writes because this is the bottleneck in ethereum 
But then how do we like actually scale and propagate this information to users that want it, right? Like as soon as it hits the network um, and that that's hard. Um, no, there's no like magic. There's no pixie dust. It's just work, right? <laughs> like just yep. a ton of work. Um, exactly. And, um, you know, the when you start having histories of, uh, you know, 50, 100, 200 billion records, so how you serve that, right? And this is, and by the way, this is the main issue that I see across exchanges that basically when when there is volatility, when there are a lot of orders, uh, then the, the infrastructure, uh, I mean, maybe they use MySQL, right, to, to, to store the, the orders. And that is, I mean, I'm sure that you, you agree with me that it's crazy to, to, to do that, right? So... <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that's, I mean, the, the, so there are some amazing databases that are in finance that people are not aware of. Like yeah. KDB is like kind of like one Russian guy somewhere has been working on it for 30 years. <laughs> the only yeah. committed to it. And, it, and it's like blazing fast. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, that is optimized for, you know, time series, right? Yeah, yeah. So that, but, so you cannot, I think that most of the time, I think that crypto, at, especially in the early days, was mainly um, the, the crypto exchanges were built by uh, website designers rather than, yeah. you know, people coming from finance and, you know, as, uh, high performance computing. So that that's mainly mainly the problem. Now it's becoming much much better. We are seeing things that are much more scalable and uh, robust and so on. But you know, it has been a fun ride. Yep. So so this is like uh, to me, this is just natural, right? Like in the early '90s or like mid mid '90s, you saw basically majority of the internet infrastructure being built around CDB, which is just like one giant file that cannot grow beyond four gigabytes. And you yeah. could index the entire internet and stick it all in this file. And they literally would just like update it every night. <laughs> and, and that was fine, right? Like, because it, like, it was good enough. And then like the internet exploded. And now we have like, you know, all of computer science focused on it for like 20 years. And I think we see a similar shift now. Like we're in this like transition stage from, we got it working with like Python and, and JavaScript or whatever, and NPM. And now like things are getting more real because the numbers are much, much higher. Right. Yeah, exactly. And we, so, well, and, uh, you know, sharding becomes a really interesting problem. Also, you know, we, we, we are uh, sharding, for example, our user data internally. So you can actually, um, you can define a deterministic um, solution given, you know, the user ID that is an integer, you can always find where, uh, exactly to find this data. So this is proven to be quite scalable on, you know, the, the type of databases that we are using. So, but, uh, you know, this is a kind of, kind of literature now in, uh, in, um, in computer science. Um, it's just require a bit of um, effort to implement on existing application and existing um, infrastructures, because when, of course, you have to migrate uh, tens of billions of records Without affecting the user experience, it beca that becomes annoying. But sometimes is uh, is literature and and math. Sometimes it's hard. You know, uh, you see what I mean. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, did you have like a? Uh, I, I guess I, I had two questions uh, when you were working on the 
unlike the wireless network stuff were were you guys already using um like Plumtree and like epidemic protocols or is this like kind of top down uh like top down decision tree to to kind of create the network was it like centralized or were you already like in this like kind of decentralized kind of worldview so we were we were using um RSTP and modified versions of uh, RSTP protocols, uh, you know, with uh, we we were exploring a lot with um, some some derivation of it uh, that were applied to mesh networks and especially how, how you say that you know the uh, it was already becoming quite cool experiencing uh, you know how you had all the cars in the city so you have to jump the signal from one car to another to transmit information so we were experimenting also on on this type of problems so we we were setting up um, you know a, a small test case in our uh, <laughs> a, a lab in the university but yeah it, it was basically we started from RSTP we started to tweak in it uh, and then we started to find we find out that was not a really good solution so we applied uh, changes for 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 the necessity of, of uh, you know these moving cars that were really you could you could lose a lot of them or uh, get them back uh, at almost any time. So you, you if I'm not wrong with um, uh, it sometime passed, but with RSTP you 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 have to make some assumption on you know some sort of. Uh, you know, you, you 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 can define some parameters for, for example, the time uh, when uh, for when you assume the link is up and uh, and things like that. So we 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 decided that it was not working well. So we applied some some changes and uh, finally we found out something that was working quite well. And the cool thing that is we implemented that in in uh, directly in the Linux stack because we had this. We had these uh, switches that were running Linux, so so we could implement directly. Um, we could uh, bypass part of the Linux stack and implement the protocol directly in into the kernel. Um, using Berkeley packet filter. Uh, sorry. Us using Berkeley packet filter as a driver. Uh, um, well, we were we were bypassing the network stack or the part that we didn't need. For example. All the part, uh, the packet filtering, we didn't need that really because um, the the packet filtering is quite generic, allow you to define rules and things like that, right? So you 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 jump that and then you just basically make sure that you listen to the type of uh, packets that you need. So you basically you have you have just few headers that that tells you exactly what you need. So you handle just that case. So a bit happy, but really had to work in uh, <laughs> a, a, in the highest performance possible. That's pretty cool. I mean, uh, this this was like I, I I like when I was in college. Like the kind of networks that were like decentralized and popular were like you know the Napster and Kazaa of the world. Yeah. This was this was my like entry to like decentralization, and I I had like a eureka moment then of like that the, these are different kinds of environments than traditional like kind of centralized stop-down internet. But I never like while working at Qualcomm, which is a wireless networking company, these were not at all used in any other applications, which is kind of like sad, right? Like we have all these cool, all this cool tech that's never seen commercial commercialization because like the centralized kind of regulated solutions are good enough. Um, so I'm, I'm like, 
I'm really excited about like Helium is like shipping these little boxes that have radio in it. It, It's so cool, right? Like you can just like create a mesh network. (laughs) Exactly. Well, I, you know, my, when I was young, my preferred protocol was actually um, uh, the BitTorrent DHT protocol. So that is really the thing that, that made me um, uh, stay awake at night and think how I use it, right? (laughs) Yep. But and uh, that was basically the the better version. Of how, I was called Emule. So Emule was yeah. like Idonkey started yeah. That, yeah. Uh, like a central central servers, and then they added Candemlia. That it was then uh, the the DHT, right? It was written in OCaml too, which is yes. kind of <laughs> crazy. <laughs> did did you um did you have like a eureka moment with Bitcoin? Uh, like where you were kind of like blown away by the kind of all the puzzle pieces and proof of work fitting together. Yeah, I think that uh, you know I, I I was becoming more and more more frustrated, and then with, with the, my day to day job, and uh, then you know I I started really um, I, I stopped one day and uh, and I didn't I didn't go to the office, and I stayed stayed basically. Um, uh, at home, just to to think about the implications, because it really the touch, well, it is quite complex, but it's also simple from for certain point of views, right? And the problem is all the implications. When the moment when your 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 head starts spinning, and you can you think about okay, but th- th- this is different. This is this is something that. This is like when cars were invented in 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 uh, early nine hundreds, um, right? It's, it's something that that you have one once in one hundred years to experiment uh, something like this. So, and, and you 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 start scratching your head because you think, okay, but why not more people are talking about this? And although I was already involved in some communities, it was. I was amazed that it was still so so small. So, um, because this type of technology is is basically meant to to solve all the financial issues of you know the the entire world population, just not because of the tech. So is well, the tech allows you to do different things. You can solve. Banking problems, in the sense that uh, in bank-to-bank uh, communications problems, because when you deal with um, with protocols like you know SEPA and uh, they are all based by uh, on central servers, right? On central databases. So sometimes something fails. There is no there is no consensus rule, right? So you have some you know some guy behind the scenes that is scratching his head and <laughs> says, okay, now what we are doing? So they are on the, jumping on the phone, and you know it, it is a mess. Right, and then so you have Bitcoin that solves that easily. So you, you don't need basically you have a shared ledger. They can, can be even private. Who cares? But you can do a private version of Bitcoin through or ledger, uh, distributed ledger across uh, multiple entities. Then you have all these um, the, the the fact that people can own their own wealth and no one can touch that. No one can can mm, take it away from them. That is probably the most important part. And uh, 
yeah, I started to think it to all that, and and I couldn't. My brain couldn't cope initially with all the possible implications. So, <laughs> yeah. and, and even today, even today, if I spend too much time in 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 wondering and and thinking about how what all the things that can be done, I don't work anymore because <laughs> it, it's basically it's basically limitless. Because we, I believe we are still in early days. And I'm sure you, for you is the same, right? Yeah. I, I was very skeptical for like, because I think like I, I was kind of mid in my engineering career when I kind of just like ran into Bitcoin. And I felt like I was probably like ossified a little bit, you know, <laughs> like as an engineer, like you get to a point where you're like kind of, I think like the, you become a senior engineer and you also become less, like open to new ideas and there's like a hump in every engineer's career until you get over it and then you're like oh shit the world is still awesome like there's still a million things i can do um and i was skeptical on like a bunch of different fronts and like it took me a long time and a lot of it just working on solana to kind of really wrap my head around the idea of like a so like a sovereignless store of value like a thing that represents value that's digital. Um, and I don't even know still if it's possible, but I think Bitcoin is like the closest thing we might get to that. Right. Like it's, it's like my, and, and that maybe like, maybe it is an unsolvable problem because to me it almost touches on like this idea of like, do we live in like a universe where you have cryptography at all? Right. Like where, where, um, you have the separation between P and MP, right. And decidability and, like irreversible functions do those exist right <laughs> uh, yeah i mean but uh, i like to think about it as uh as gold right gold in my opinion has value just because we give to gold value right i mean people might decide that uh, uh jewels made uh of iron are cool enough so they can they don't care anymore about gold, right? And the gold value will lose. I mean, it's not just jewels, but I'm, of, of course I'm oversimplifying. But is uh, it, the same thing happens here? Right? At gold, there is a cost of extraction. There is a limited supply. So there are a lot of characteristics of gold that you can find in Bitcoin as well. So Bitcoin has value, in my opinion, because there are pe- more and more people understanding that. Um, it's important to have one because no one can take away from you. As gold, you know, in the past, people were uh, digging a hole in the garden to, 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 to hide gold because that was something that, I mean, with, with, paper, with paper cash, you have to, every 10 years, 20 years, you have, to, you, you have to bring it back to the bank because a new version comes in and, you know, the other one um, gets distracted and so on. So we, with gold, it's it has been like that since uh, you know ten thousand years, um, and used by uh, you know the early uh, primates to today as an exchange of value. And now uh, we have we can we are seeing the same thing with Bitcoin. It's just people understand how much Bitcoin is valuable, so the the value of Bitcoin grows uh, because the, and there is there is no way to replicate. The cost of extraction is the cost of mining. So you have to attribute a base value. And then the additional value, in my opinion, is how much people do care about being controlled their own wealth, being controlled their own lives. 
So um, that, that's that's it for me. Do you think like the store of value is kind of the most important thing for Bitcoin? Is it is is that like is it basically like software eating the gold use case in like the in like Silicon Valley terms? <laughs> it's more for me. Um, it's store value first, and then also security. So security in terms of allowing it is like a building block to create to use Bitcoin security to secure other things like uh you know you can you can publish things to the to the blockchain um you know in the appear turn you can uh so that also has a value the ability of securing a world of other uh networks possibly or applications through uh the bitcoin mining uh, hash power like uh, my my feeling like the like a lot of the value comes from the liquidity of it like we don't have it, like you know i've done like a tiny bit of trading just like through interactive brokers and stuff like that prior to to being in the space and uh, it's so clunky and slow and like <laughs> like uh, you know like it, the the interfaces the settling time like everything actually like outside of the actual trade interface like everything else becomes really excruciating painful to actually get money to these systems and get money out is like a huge huge kind of like a big pile of pain pain and you can't even do it programmatically right like it, it's very very hard to to build to work with these systems you got to almost like fill out forms and fax them like you're yes. <laughs> like <laughs> faxing yes. the money right <laughs> like wire it like it, it, it's terrible and like this is crazy that people can basically transfer value anywhere in the world and convert it to any other like fiat currency like anywhere in the world right now in like an hour like with no fees to me like that in itself is kind of like a huge like part of what bitcoin is today and like what what the space is really about is this like idea of really free flow of wealth globally yeah uh, but for that you could just use a stable coin right i mean uh, <laughs> which, which is, one would you prefer people use? well let me think a little bit <laughs> well we did you know we, that's that's why we did tether in 2014 we created tether just because you had bitcoin and then the volatility across exchanges in 2013, 2013 was the first year that Bitcoin uh, reached $1,000. And, and uh, you know, at some point there is a 20, 30% discrepancy for, uh, for, for um, of the Bitcoin price ac across different venues. And the reason is, of course, you have a pair that is BTCUSD and one part of the pair that is BTC move have, uh, moves have, uh, as uh, as uh, 10 minutes per, uh, per block. On the other side, you have wires that take one or five days and is like, or they can be blocked by the bank and rejected and sent back, right? So it's terrible. And so, so the super simple idea of Tether is, okay, how we can make uh, dollars to go at the same pace of Bitcoin. So Tether was born, uh, there was only, only Omni... Omnicore available at that time, Omnilayer. And um, so we used that. We created this color coin called Tether. 
And for, for years, for I would say two years, it was really difficult to explain to other exchanges why, they, why the hell they should adopt Tether. So why, and, um, you know, we were talking to people, scratching their head, and, and, and they, they couldn't understand <laughs> it, right? He said, well, yeah, we have wires. Sure, you have wires, but how much that time does it take? And yes, it takes a long time, but they, it works. Yes, but on the other, one side, you are seeing a technology like Bitcoin that, and you understand that. How you cannot understand how, how Tether works? And it, it took a lot of time, but eventually in 2017, there was a boom. Many exchanges started using Tether. And, you know, but I, I understand that the transmission of wealth, that is, uh, I completely agree with you, is, is one of the most important use cases. But also, Tether. You guys were like really the first fintech company. Yes. Like you look at like like the fintech stuff that's coming out today in Silicon Valley is I feel like it's ten years behind this idea that what what Tether built. Like in my opinion, like that you have self owned cryptography that controls the flow of like wealth between people, and it's like it's like pegged to a dollar, right? Like <laughs> like the that's like a simple idea that like is awesome and is programmable and is like super easy to like use for an engineer but like some of the like none of it is like really penetrated outside of crypto yet which to me is mind-blowing <laughs> yeah i mean that is true i mean well really um uh, one start from few weeks ago i think that the the, uh, the on-chain transaction volume of tether uh, surpassed paypal uh for the first time and but still i agree with you is mainly crypto uh we, we think that in the next year or so, we will go um, outside of the crypto space because it has to go mainstream uh, at some point. The, the fact is that the cost of maintaining Tether is infinitely lower than maintaining something like PayPal or any other, um, uh, let's say, financial institution, just because the entire ledger is... is, is, is on chain so we and there is no way to fail that right this the most important part for us is security so we issue on different blockchains because uh and we you know you work with us we get into we go deep into the security aspects we want to understand how uh, exactly how it works we get security audits from you and, and so on right so that that is the key aspects and this is really what we we have to take good care of but that doesn't require you know uh 300 400 2000 employees it's 20 employees that can really make sure that the entire you know, platform is secure and then can take care of the compliance side of it and that's it that's i mean that is like i think one of the powers of of the difference between databases and blockchains is that it's kind of like leverage security. You can really push this really hard, complicated problem onto a small team, and you never can get a hard, complicated problem solved by 300 people, right? You can build a bunch of services and APIs, but at the end of the day, right, that hard problem, if you can get it solved by a single team, you can leverage it up. And that, that to me is like one of the, that, that, that was like one of the eureka moments for me with, with, with crypto and Bitcoin is that, the cryptography aspect of it is a way to really sandbox a lot of the kind of like failure points across the system. Like even you guys can even like sandbox 
because you you actually hold the dollars, right? Like not the chain. The chain is just a ledger. That even yep. if th there's failure, there's separated concerns there between like the fiat and like the chain blowing up, right? Like a Ethereum Classic 4K rollback, you can actually look at both sides of the chain and do reconciliation and that would be terrible, right? That would be a huge pain in the butt, but it's not like the money disappears, right? Like, no, exactly. <laughs> There's there's a way to make it like there's a way to deal with these problems and like sandbox the side effects of them, which I think to me is like really really cool. Yeah, and uh, the fact that is that in many business applications you really need to have um, multi-sig control. So yeah. the way multi-sig control in certain banks was was built is like same server with a nice UI, different login and password, and everyone was clicking the button. So you hack one server, you get, you get everything. So <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, a blockchain solves that out of the box. So you, 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 you have, everyone has his sign, sign key, you use a public blockchain, or even you have like your own internal blockchain with, you know, distributed across 10 different nodes. So if someone wants to do something stupid, anyway, it has to, uh, to hack 51% uh, or six servers, right? So, and if they are handled by different group of people, it becomes really, really hard. So there are there are blockchain enables so many so many use cases that and improves so much the business life for many many different companies that that is is just mind blowing. So I mean the ledger and the the transmission of money is is one of the most interesting use cases for uh, for sure. But it's, it's really one of the thousands or millions of use cases that you can build on top of that. Do you, do you have like security concerns um, about like bridges and interoperability? Like have you like had a lot of time to kind of deep dive into that? So I have to split your, um, your question in two parts. So from one side, we do care. Um, so, of course, we we do care about the bridges, especially if we help managing those. Because the idea is that um, if a bridge is built is being built by someone that is not us, so someone else is taking responsibility for the bridge. No, there is not much we can do. Anyone can build a bridge with our own permission uh, because uh, in the end, um, Tether is available, for example, on ERC-20 and then you want to you know, create a bridge to bring it to a blockchain that doesn't have direct support of Tether. So that is a bridge and anyone can do that. And of course, we, we don't like to see users losing money but is also uh, it has less implications on Tether if something goes wrong. Then, uh, of course, um, if we build our own bridge or if we actively support one bridge, then it's a different story. We, we want to make sure that if we, we raise the hand to our community and say, guys, you can use this bridge safely, then... Uh, I'd like to see a bridge that is um, kind of decentralized in the sense that I would like to see, you know, a kind of either a federation 
or something like that that really uh, validates uh, an HSM-based uh, federation that uh, really validates and um, all the peg-ins and peg-outs. Yeah, the, this this is like, um, to me, like this is something that we've been kind of thinking, I, I've been thinking a lot about because as we, as Solana is becoming more mature, we are building bridges to other networks. And there's this aspect of trustlessness and it's not like a well-defined term, right? It's not a computer science term. <laughs> so there is some threshold where things become more trustless, right? And I'm just wondering, like, do you guys, how do you evaluate, like, do you think about this? Do you evaluate trustlessness or do you simply look at systems from like, old school security analysis, like this is the intrusion attack vectors and these are like maybe the collusion attack vectors? So I think that uh, you have to look at both ways in the sense that um, we like when uh, there is a high, high level of distribution uh, of duties uh, across the network. So, and, uh, you know, so validation uh, is really happening on many different nodes, and uh, there is also redundancy in the duties, right? So uh, having multiple parties that can step in, and uh, you know, even even with a stupid round robin or with different consensus rules, uh, participate to the to the signing, um, and the others should st stand by and validate, and uh, you know, and then eventually you propagate the final decision. So. Um, and of course, you have to you you have to go through and deep and um, review the the entire uh, stack being used um, because I mean even if uh, we are as in Tether we are a good example of it right we are fully centralized so Tether is um, is centralized because just because the 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 cash is centralized so it stays in one bank. And we have, for different reasons, we have the power to freeze uh, assets on, ch on chain because a regulator might ha uh, ask us that, right? So um, we, from our point of view, uh, we cannot, from the tether, with the tether hat on my head, I cannot point the finger too much and say to other um, companies, wow, you are too much, too, too centralized, right? Because Tether is not a centralized product. It is not a decentralized product. Use decentralized technology to make it accessible to everyone, but a it has a centralized company really uh, issuing it and controlling it. So I, I really do care about the aspects. So uh, basically pure attack vector uh, of, um, uh, let's say, and, um, and possible entry point for, for hackers in the technologies that we use. But also, if I, of course, if I have to choose, I like to, to see more, uh, you know, decent, decentralized uh, trustness applied as much as possible and when it's possible. Got it. That, that's, I'm like, you guys are, are a financial institution that is like, from, from like crypto cypher cypher funk right folks you you guys are like much more closer to the financial world um than than like bitcoin and but you're also crypto native so it seems like you might be like at the forefront of of adopting these technologies into like the boring business world 
Like to me, like, I think this is where the opportunity comes in is like folks like you actually like seeing those opportunities because you've already established yourself as like a profitable company and like moving the space into mainstream. Um, do you see that like starting to pick up? Like I, it, it's really hard for me to like in the U.S. to see that happening because there's a, such a clear separation between anything that we do with like old school banks and they're like terrified of crypto and anything that we do with like crypto companies globally where like everybody prefers a USDT transfer over a wire. Like nobody wants to touch a bank wire because it's an insane pain in the ass that like goes wrong 50% of the time. Yeah. <laughs> <So> like, <laughs> how do we get to like, how do we get that adopted like to the boring world? Like, Yeah, so first, first of all, to your um, initial point, um, I mean, I, uh, for example, I am a guy that wears multiple hats, right? So I'm a Bitfinex guy, I'm a Tether guy, I'm a Bitcoin fanboy. So you, <laughs> you have to, so from everyone, every time you wear one of these hats, you have to think with that hat, right? Otherwise, all the companies you work for will go nowhere. So when I work for, uh, for, for Tether, for example, I do see Tether as the bridge between crypto and uh, traditional finance. So we, we started from crypto. We started servicing crypto exchanges. But then Tether is growing outside of that world. So we see, as you said, many people are already using Tether to pay invoices, to, you know, for, to send money home. And we are seeing this uh, growing use case. We are contacted um, day by day by e-commerces that want to that are, are, are thinking, okay, nice. I pay two or three percent on every transaction for credit cards. So if I use Tether, I can completely avoid that. I mean, to, to redeem Tether is ten basis points, right? Yeah. In, compared to three <laughs> percent, that is yeah. three hundred basis points. So, so it it becomes more um, mind blowing also for people outside of crypto and we see, we are seeing that growing we are seeing that growing in many places in the world of course as you know we we as both bitfinex and tether don't don't deal with us we withdrew uh, some time ago uh, but so we have experience in uh, in basically the rest of the world and we are seeing that as a growing uh, opportunity for us um for, for the moment, um, it's still, I would say, more than 90% crypto-related. But I believe that uh, when you see, like, for example, miners buying and mining equipment and paying, paying electricity bills in Tether, you can stay, still say, okay, but it's related to crypto. Yes, but you are paying for hardware now. And then it starts like that, right? Then yep. the next step is, okay, you are paying your... Uh, your home utility bill with with the tether, and then you are paying everything else with tether. It's it takes time, but you you still you, you see really this uh, happening in uh, um, and has happened more and more in 2020. And I believe that 2021 can be really a point of uh, of um, where the the curve starts starts growing really fast. Yeah, that that to me is exciting. I mean, like. Everything we're trying to make it possible to do like boring point of sale payments on Solana. <laughs> it's the most exciting use case ever, right? Like, but 
it's hard because you need this network to be fast enough to actually like be competitive there right uh, and that that is like a tough problem but solvable i think we're already there but now it's kind of like the tech is there we have we have this been awesome integration with you guys but like the challenge is is the always adoption product market fit um i'm like i'm i see like early signs of this but like i'm I would like to see kind of a rush of, you know, people that are like businesses that are like, hey, I need this integration. When can, when can, when can you enable it? Like, I, I don't know if we're quite there yet. Like that might be like a year away. Like at, at like if, if the space is growing at this like kind of rapid pace. Um, do you Do you think that could happen driven by businesses? Or do you think we need like humans to have, fully understood what cryptography is and that they're custodians of wealth. Like, do you, do you think like this is still a chicken and egg problem or do you think like a business can drive it like to their customers? Well, first of all, I think that we can, um, we can mention <laughs> this goal that, uh, yes, we are actually working together and I believe that our integration will land finally in two weeks time. So our team has, uh, uh, is moving quite fast now that uh, you guys have been so helpful uh, with uh, with uh, providing all the information to us. And I, I believe that what we have to do uh, is to is to really focus on the education side of things. And I believe that stable coins are really the entry point for the uh, into the crypto world for for the masses because. I mean, um, you know, my father um, now trades uh, Bitcoin, but be- it was easy for, for, for me to explain to him, okay, you now can get, first you, you pass through Tether in order to get a Bitcoin, rather than, okay, I, I start, I send him a Bitcoin, or well, I wish, right? I, I, uh, or he, he would like, but I will, I, I give him a few Satoshis, so... Um, and he can play with that, but he will never understand how to use it uh, easily without uh, uh, if he didn't have me. So it's much easier for everyone to make a comparison of his actual wealth that is he has in the bank account and uh, you know a wallet where he has the same am- uh, amount of dollars, right? So then from there you can say, okay, now that you made um, this step you can start buying whatever you want, among which you can buy Bitcoin, for example. That's a great store of value. You can think about it as gold. So, but you cannot pretend that everyone has uh, c- can do the same long step that we did, uh, you know, you and I in 2013. We have to, to create simple ways for people to approach um, to approach the um, uh, the crypto market and the crypto industry without too many changes in their life. I believe that e-commerce is really the 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 connection point because we are seeing you know uh, Amazon and uh, you know Stripe and all these payment networks that uh, that are really e-commerce driven that that. Uh, they they could they could enable for example tether as a way of payment and people will start thinking okay okay what is tether right and okay is a dollar is like a dollar okay how how can I get tether right how can because um okay i can have it on my mobile okay now the next step is okay i i download the mobile 
app and I can, you know, with, with a credit card, I can get 1,000 tethers. And now I can spend it, uh, you know, with, uh, with uh, this e-commerce and then I can buy, I can send it to my friend. And, uh, okay, is, is there, um, are there any limitations? No. I mean, is, is fast? Yes. There is nothing faster than that. So it's about trying to find the right, um, the, the right crossing point for people where they can really start a taste it without being scared. Does, does your, I guess, does your dad understand, like, do you think he gets the difference between the cryptography that the keys that he holds, that that's what, that that actually means ownership versus an account in a bank? Like, is that like psychological shift? Like, did, did he have like that eureka moment? This is to me, like, I think like the key part to crypto adoption, it's not hiding the, it's not hiding the stuff behind an account system. I think that needs to happen just to get people into the, the network. But like where we'll see the stuff take off, like when the internet took off is when people kind of shift their thinking about this is an account at Facebook or an account in Tether or account in Bitcoin versus this is my Bitcoin and this is how I hold it. <laughs> well, with of course, with my, my father understands it because I've been so annoying to him. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I sat down with him with the ledger and I waited until he compiled the 24 words and uh, you know I explained how he, he should store the, the seed and so on so uh, he understands that but um, you know of course uh, I believe that if you start expanding outside of uh, you know my people that have access to uh, you know to me to you that are that can be are really patient in explaining things. Um, unfortunately, it's really hard to. It, it in my opinion is just a hope that everyone will care enough about the fact that they have full control over their wealth, and there is no one that can take away that from them. Because I, there is an important topic that is that sits in my heart that is privacy, and you can say say the same thing about privacy, right? Everyone could use uh, encrypted communications and should use PHP to send out emails or, I mean, there is not good experience for that, but still you see the point, right? Everyone should really care about their privacy. Instead, people don't care about the applications they install on their uh, phone. And I had a lot of conversation with good friends and they say, well, but in the end I get improved ads, right? I don't have to spend time searching things they just pop them into my Facebook. Feed. I say, what, what, what the hell? I mean, so, but you see, and I see this growing as people really like the fact that uh, they can get things faster. They can, they they don't even have to waste time in searching, and they they are happy to give up their privacy. And I believe that well, the success of all the social networks uh, is 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 a clear example, but also the fact that, you know, Android and um, iPhone, uh, you know, are, it's really hard to enforce security there. And the fact that I, I'm a big fan, for example, of uh, Librem 5, that is, uh, that is uh, a phone that is going to run GNU Linux and I'm still waiting for mine. And it's like one year <laughs> and a half that I, I order it. And I, every, every week I check if there are updates, right? But that is, no one will care about that. That project will probably get 
no funding at all and maybe it will die like you know the the, the version of uh, this should i see out <laughs> <laughs> yes. i mean it's yes yeah <laughs> but but you see is people don't care about privacy they don't care about owning their own wealth i believe i mean few people do care and it's important for us that understand it that we push a lot for it because if there 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 is not us that to care and will bring it forward no one else it will die eventually so i believe that our push is uh, and the growing push from our side will eventually uh win a lot of a part of the population that will maybe will never understand the implications but will eventually will use it so we'll have an indirect benefit from our work this is the thing that excites me. I don't pretend to go around like uh, you know with uh, um, with a magic wand or uh, and and a spell cast on on people and hoping that will eventually I will convert masses. I, I believe that we just need to work behind the scenes to make their life safer. Cool. yeah, that that that's awesome. I mean, that's my feeling too. Like I think the work that we can do, if if we can't like convert people we can convert everybody that wants to be converted and then <laughs> and then the rest of the world can benefit from it right like that's, yes. and that that's an awesome outcome uh, well we're we're hitting our the hour um and this has been like a wonderful conversation thank you so much for being on the show i am like really excited about the integration that that's upcoming from like the various use cases that we could hit with a really really fast cheap stable coin i think are are like those it's a ton of boring use cases that are can really transform the world right and, and to me that that is like the cool thing is that like we, we're actually at like so much closer to adoption now than five ten years ago than that i feel like you know we're at that like kind of ramp up in the hockey stick so i'm, I'm super excited for for like for like the next two years i can't i how fast crypto moves it's going to be mind-blowing how much stuff is going to happen <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I'm really looking forward to this integration. You know, a few people, uh, especially in the past uh, months, asked me why uh, we are launching on different blockchains, why we cannot use just one. And uh, I believe that Tether uh, is becoming uh, more and more the denominator of the crypto industry. And so being on all the popular blockchains and, you know, tapping into your community that, uh, that is growing is, for, for Tether is important. So um, that's it, right? We want to, uh, as a product, we want to have the biggest user base possible. We, we, um, we uh, love to work with you guys. Your team uh, is super talented. So, yeah. Thank you so much.